Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Cowboys Talk, the Dallas Cowboys discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. As usual, I am the host, the Bear of Texas, reporting live from an undisclosed location deep in the heart of Texas. It's my honor to proudly welcome, for the first time to the show, he is the host of the all-football podcast on the Worst Take Network. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give a round of applause and a warm welcome to Mr. Josh McSwain. How's it going, Josh? Going great. Thanks for having me on. Well, I think it's about time that you and I talk Cowboys football. I know that you and I love soccer, but I think our expert, unique opinions regarding the Dallas Cowboys, it, ha- it has to be heard. I think the fans need to hear. They've heard my perspective, but they need to, he- they need to hear yours and mine blend in together. Yes, yeah, certainly. Cowboys... Much like our team, Man United, they're hated, adored, but never ignored. Never ignored. And the one thing they have in common is they're both a shell of what they were not too long ago. Well, Cowboys longer, but it was not very long ago where Man U was honestly really a good club. But in our case, it's just we're used to being fans of teams that really frustrate the hell out of us. And the Cowboys have been frustrating us for the longest time. Yeah, I mean, back in... Starting in 2006 when Romo took over, no one really expected a lot of him, but he showed that he had the goods to get it done. And he just came up short so many times. And, you know, a lot of folks around the nation, they blame him for muffing the field goal attempt in the Seattle game in 06 and then throwing the interception against the Giants in 07. But he was a really good performer when it mattered most. He led so many game-winning drives. Actually, he has a higher quarterback rating in playoff games than Tom Brady. <laughs> you know, that's why I, that's why I think Tony Romo is, is probably the most underrated Cowboys quarterback of all time. And it's amazing to see where he is now. But now we're, we're in the post-Romo era. And, and really, it started off you know, decent, but it's, it's really falling apart. I mean, at this point, I really don't have much faith in in Dak Prescott. And if you've listened to the show, I've explained why. But it's gotten me so much heat because people just don't understand where I'm coming from. But, I mean, this whole season has been a mess. And you know, we're coming off just another horrible loss against the Ravens. And what amazes me is that, you know, people shooting down Andy, Andy Dalton. While Andy Dalton had his fair share of mistakes, I mean, he's not to blame for the game. I mean, the our rushing defense, which is, you know, worse in the league. You know, couldn't even stop yep. Lamar Jackson, surprisingly. I mean, if I'm correct, you know, the Ravens had over 250 yards on the running game, and it doesn't surprise me that they utilized the running game to really beat the crap out of the Cowboys. Yeah, they had close to 300 rushing yards as a team. And obviously, I know their offense, that's what they're designed to do. But still, it's like Cowboys, it was like they hadn't, no pride left in that game. I, you know, that's the key right there. There is no more pride left because at this point, they have nothing to lose. I, I think at this point, you know, as much as I say tanking is probably what they should do, I don't like having to say that because tanking, in my opinion, is a bad reputation for the game of football. But at this point, the best thing to go for is for the highest draft pick possible. And I should stress to you that if the Cowboys somehow lose this Sunday against Cincinnati... The Cowboys get the th- now have the third overall pick. Yeah, that's true. And there's a lot of different ways that 
Dallas could go with a potential top five pick. You're looking at obviously some help needed on defense, but I would also consider, I think his name is Panay Sewell, the offensive tackle from Oregon, who's gotten some really high acclaim. You might look at that as a a way forward for the blind side because Tyron Smith is getting up there in years and he's been on the shelf a lot recently. So you really can't have him as the bedrock of your front line going forward. Stinks to say, but that's the way the NFL is. Means not for long. Unfortunately, that's how it is today. And yes, Penny Sewell, the tackle from Oregon, is a guy I've been looking at for a long time because while we always need help on defense, I mean, every single draft for the longest time, defensive pieces have been the priority need, but we do need an offensive tackle. And if we have the chance of getting Sewell, I say take it. We have to reestablish the running game. We have to reestablish protection for the quarterback. That's where it starts. Definitely. I mean, I think if you get Sewell on the left side and then you have Lael Collins come back at right tackle and hopefully Zach Martin comes back 100% next year, I think things could turn around very quickly. I hope so, but... Coming to the conclusion of the season, you know, after suffering what was a horrible game against Baltimore, I mean, we put some points on the board, but, you know, Greg Zerline missing three field goals, you know, so many missed opportunities. And, you know, what amazes me is that somehow, despite our offensive line situation, Andy Dalton seemed to, was able to, you know, I don't know, I don't even remember, I don't think he even got sacked, if I remember correctly. He was sacked one time. Okay, one time. Okay, well, that's actually good because usually with that horrible offensive line, he's usually sacked at least four times, but he was able to get th- close to 300 passing yards, and, and you know, Zeke Elliott, you know, didn't have a 100-yard game, but, you know, what's positive in his case is he didn't fumble the ball, but but at this point, you know, this whole de- – the defense continues to be horrible, but, you know, for a while I said, you know, Mike Nolan should be fired, but really – I don't think they're going to fire him after one season, but we, we have to understand. And I totally understand when people tell me this is a cheap excuse, but when you don't have the full off season where there's no mini camp, you know, voluntary workouts, the traditional training camp and everything, the coaches can't fully prepare the right way. And that goes for everybody. But when it comes to Kellen Moore, look, I have no problem against the guy personally, but really at this point, he's going to have to relinquish the play calling duties. I think Mike McCarthy needs to retake those duties and Kellen Moore, you know, if they, if they choose to, if he chooses to stay or if they keep him, if he, if he doesn't get fired or if anything happens, it would be, it would be best for him to learn play calling duties under Mike McCarthy because, it, it, you know, and a lot of people, believe it or not, Josh, have been blaming Mike McCarthy for the play calling, but I have to remind them, uh, Mike McCarthy does not call the plays. It's Kellen Moore. And Kellen Moore has been has been making these mistakes, like you know the conservative play call that we saw from Jason Garrett, like on Thanksgiving when there was the fourth and inches, and they did a passing play, or they did that fake punt deep in their own territory. I'm like, this is not cool. This is not. This is humiliating. I mean, sometimes I ask myself, Kellen, what the hell are you doing? Well, I mean, with that fake punt specifically, I'm not sure how much blame can be levied against Moore for that. Yeah, that comes down to special teams and a little bit to McCarthy for overall team strategy. But once again, like the guys just looked confused on that play. It was 
Reminds me of that one play in Indianapolis some years ago against the Patriots whenever they had that swinging gate and you had like two guys and the punter took the snap and tried to run. I'm just like, what are I, you doing? I, yeah, I remember, that, I remember that play very well, yeah. I mean, overall, it's a team effort. Like, everybody has to take blame. Mike McCarthy as well, the players, you know, everybody. But I still feel like if there's a change made in the coaching staff, I think, you know, the, the first thing to do is they, they have to make a change in the play calling. And I think Mike McCarthy needs to go back to calling the plays. And Kellen Moore has got to take the opportunity to learn from him, learn from Coach McCarthy because I really believe it's going to help Kellen Moore. Because, it, I mean, I understand. I'm happy for the guy. You know, he got this job, you know, at a young age. But I, I feel like it was too early for him to be given such duties because calling plays is not an easy task because people think all you got to do is, you know, call this play because if you think it's right. Like, it takes a lot more concentration. It takes so much, you know, hours of studying. It's not that simple. But I feel like... It is not. I feel like that opportunity came to him way too early. Like, he wasn't... I just feel like overall, uh, aside from all the, you know, the frustration or anything, I just think Kellen Moore wasn't ready to take on play-calling duties. Yeah, I can see that. The other thing that I will say to play devil's advocate here is that he was counting on having a quarterback that was, you know, a borderline top 10 NFL starter there, and he's now having to deal with a replacement quarterback with suboptimal protection. Again, this is not ideal conditions to be thrown in on, but yeah, I I do agree with you that he has to shoulder some of the blame for some less than sound choices. I mean, it's a team effort. There's really, it is. There's really no use pointing the finger at somebody. It's teamwork. You win and lose as a team. Everybody's got to take responsibility. You got to learn from it, and that's how the lessons learned. That's part of the process. That's how you get better. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, I. I'll agree maybe it was a little too early, but with Mike McCarthy getting more control of the team, I feel like that would be a proposition that might engender some backlash in the locker room. If you believe those reports that after the Cardinals game, the team said that no one was prepared for it and all that jazz, I just thought, you know, had McCarthy lost the team already and... I can certainly see a danger if McCarthy gets play calling duties and the players don't believe in him. That could be a problem. You know, that, that's a really good point. But you know, I I just think like once the season's over, I, they all need to regroup. You know, I, I should you know hopefully uh, in the next few months. You know, uh, you know with this whole vaccine surrounding Corona, hopefully things will finally begin to go go back to normal. My fingers are crossed more than ever on this case, but. Like, you know, there's been times where during the era of Jason Garrett, like, you know, I mean, for a long time, the players, you know, there was these, like, situations like right now. But well, if Mike McCarthy can just, you know, talk to the players, you know, you know, work things out, I, I think they'll be okay. But at the same time, see, and I like how you mentioned how Mike McCarthy has control of the team because I noticed that the coaching staff changes, he brought in guys that he knew and he made decisions. And that's something that we usually don't see, especially in the case of uh, Jerry Jones, so... If Mike McCarthy has control and maintains control and can keep doing things his way and his players can, you know, have faith in him, things can finally begin to change. But this year's just been so horrible. 
I mean, all these people like say you know thought that Mike McCarthy was going to take the Cowboys to the Super Bowl just like that, and I remind them, well, he had to build himself in Green Bay, so mm-hmm. you know it, it's never that simple. I mean, I always tell people, I mean, Rome wasn't built in a day, so you know you can't just build a successful football team just like that. Yeah, that's definitely true. I suppose my only thought when McCarthy was hired was that if the game had passed him by, you know, because obviously in Green Bay he had an elite quarterback in Aaron Rodgers and he just still wasn't getting results. Now I know that in sports there are times where you have a coach that has been there a while and you just need a fresh voice and you know we saw with Green Bay last year they go 13 and 3 under Matt LaFleur and are in the NFC championship game but so many of McCarthy's decisions as time went on as his tenure in Green Bay went down were just perplexing so i was a little nervous with McCarthy and I don't know if it would be right to fire him after the year. A few weeks ago, I was entertaining that thought more, but now I'm like, you know, maybe we give him another chance. Cause like you said, this was a shortened off season and that's obviously going to be more detrimental to new coaches coming in, have to implement a new scheme. Players have to learn the playbook and you didn't have any exhibition games to sort out some of the bugs. So, <clears throat> all that said, I would say give McCarthy another year, provided he hasn't lost the team. And we haven't had anything overly dramatic since that loss to the Cardinals when everyone looked like they were just a deer caught in the headlights. Personally, I, I don't think that there's a situation that involves the players not trusting him because if that was really the case, I, I often believe that there have been reports that there was a confrontation at practice between him and a player or there's, you know, reports of disagreements. I mean, if, if it was really chaos going on, believe me, we would know about it. Yeah, I would say so. Also... You mentioned the defense a little bit earlier. Early on in the year, Mike Nolan certainly didn't look like he was really in sync with the team. But despite this game against the Ravens, the defense had been doing better recently. Like against the Steelers, obviously really talented offense you had there, and they held him reasonably in check, so... I think trying to dial the scheme down a little bit has been helpful. Not trying to overcomplicate a scheme for a lot of young players, ultimately. The biggest thing that Dallas is going to need is you need a big run stuffer in the middle because right now they got Antoine Woods, who's been a journeyman. And, I mean, he's had some years where he's been all right. But at his age, it's just not really the type of guy that you want sort of in the middle of that D-line. I often believe that Antoine Woods is is a dark horse kind of player because you just never know if he's going to be amazing or bad. But speaking of the defense, 
if somehow, I mean, a lot of people are, a lot of reports have said that Jalen Smith could get traded or, you know, or the Cowboys are going to get rid of him. But I do believe it was a huge mistake. I mean, they pay, they're paying Jalen Smith a lot of money. I mean, the problem with Smith is, you know, believe it or not, he's actually in the top five in tackling in the league. And he is. So, yeah, I mean, look, he's not a horrible player. He's obviously a player that obviously makes a lot of mistakes, but as you mentioned, you know, this is under a new defensive coordinator, and you know, and everything we've mentioned, which I, I understand that people say it's a cheap excuse. So I don't think it's right to get rid of uh, Jalen Smith. I mean, we drafted him when he was still injured. We were, you know, we built him back up. It would be a shame to throw all that all that away, all that away. But what we have to understand is, you know, we we need to hope that Leighton Vanderesh can stay healthy. We, we hope that the defensive line can. Because here's another problem: getting to the quarterback this year has been bad for the for the Cowboys' defensive line. I've seen many no times where they're this close, this close to sacking the quarterback. He escapes, neither has a ten yard run or completes a huge pass. This is this is what's been lacking for so many years, Josh. An elite pass rusher. So we need that. And yeah. He, on that note, Demarcus Lawrence, he had a couple of double-digit sack seasons back in 2017 and 2018. But since then, he just hasn't been the same. Current leader in sacks on the Dallas roster is Alden Smith at five. And, of course, he was out of the league for half a decade. And speaking of Alden Smith, you know, I want to personally give a huge shout-out to him. It's because when, when the Cowboys sign him, I mean, it's the same crap that, you know, when a, when a player like that says, people are going to say, oh, he hasn't played in five years. Why are the Cowboys wasting time with this guy? You know, that, that's the problem. When you have all these fans that are in denial that they just want to judge the book by the cover, I felt like, you know what? The Cowboys have a history of giving players a second chance. It's worked out so many times. So why not? Why not give this guy a chance? And another guy, I really got to mention this, is Randy Gregory. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I took I took exception to where the announcer said that, that Randy Gregory has been, quote, fighting demons, because that's not true. Look, Randy Gregory's not a bad person. He obviously has a, I, I don't know if he still has, but he obviously had a weakness for smoking weed, but that doesn't make him a bad person. But it wasn't just the announcer. It's all these other fans saying, you know, he should never play again. I'm like, they're talking about him like he's a criminal. Like, look, he's not a criminal. What he did is not bad. Obviously, he did something that, you know, that's against the rules, but... Randy Gregory is, in my opinion, he's just a misunderstood guy. He's a very talented player, but he obviously has a weakness. We all do. But all I can say is I, I only hope that he doesn't mess up again because we will, we really need this guy. He's actually a really good player. He sometimes I can also say he's better than he than what he thinks. Like he, he's a whole lot better than than we can ever imagine. He's so underrated, if you ask me. Yeah, he certainly has. That burst and that ability, that first step to get to the quarterback. It's just he's not been able to be consistent with it because he's on and off the field constantly. I mean, hopefully he can stay clean at some point, but. Just don't fail another drug test because I really believe if uh, this coming offseason, if there's the full offseason, if he's at voluntary workouts, minicamp, everything. I think he's gonna he's gonna be more than okay. I think next year he could have a hell of a year if he comes, if he stays in shape, doesn't fail a drug test, does great at mini camp, does great at all the workouts and training camp. 
you know, he he could be a candidate for defensive player of the year. But but now we're, we're going to switch a little bit to the offense. Like we got to talk about players that need to be improving because now we're really at the point where we're talking about Cowboys football. We're talking about the December woes, and we're getting to the point where what needs to be worked at in the offseason because we know America's team, well, so-called America's team, they're not going to the playoffs. But I got to talk. We got to talk about Ezekiel Elliott. You know, ever since he's gotten paid, what what is he given to the Cowboys really? Yeah, fumbleitis. Exactly, and and it hurts me to say this because I believe in Zeke. I was I was excited when they drafted him four years ago, and you know a lot of people. You know, there's been also rumors that the Cowboys could trade him. You know what? Let's not trade him. We invested in him. Let's see what he can do. But I'm not going to use the cheap excuse of you know short and off season like that on him. What he needs to do now, again, like I said, if there's if there is the mini camp and everything like there is you know traditionally every year. He needs to attend all of them, even the voluntary ones. He needs to prove that he wants to get better. He needs to just work out, do everything. He really needs to commit and dedicate himself to redesigning himself to be back on top, because we paid him, and we're not. And the Cowboys are not getting their money's worth. I mean, in fact, to say that they're not getting their money's worth, Josh, that's a hell of an understatement. Oh, it certainly is. He's only averaging about four yards a carry, and they're paying him like an elite back, which is interesting because Tony Pollard coming into the game against Baltimore was averaging five yards a carry. So really the excuse of the battered offensive line decreasing the run productivity doesn't really hold up. I mean, not anymore it doesn't. Certainly not. So, I mean, he's in his mid-20s right now, and – for the next couple years, it would be very expensive to get rid of him. So I think he'll be back the next two years, and if things don't get any better, I'd say he's gone after the 2022 season. This kind of leads me to my thought about the Cowboys recently. Ever since Jimmy Johnson left, I feel like, with the exception of maybe the tenure of Bill Parcells, it was like when guys earned their spot, they just had it. Whereas you had a guy like Jimmy Johnson or certainly Bill Belichick for a current guy, like you got to compete every day. Your spot is never solidified. And, you know, you, you keep teams hungry and keep them constantly competing. And then, you know, they're going to have to go prove themselves every day. That's exactly what has to happen with the Dallas Cowboys, especially in, in, in Ezekiel Elliott's case. He's going to have to prove that he deserves to be the starting running back. Because I know Mike McCarthy. If I know him as well as I do, if if Zeke was honestly really – if he was worse than he is right now, without a shadow of a doubt, McCarthy would bench him. I, mean, I, I wish I could be fully convinced, but a lot of people believe that Zeke should already have been benched. Well, I mean, I don't know if you bench him entirely. I would say maybe you let Pollard start a few games just to see if Elliott will get motivated and want to go take his job back. There you go. That's an excellent point right there. You know what? Let Tony Pollard uh, feed Tony Pollard a little bit more, and then Zeke Elliott is going to be hungry enough and motivated enough to say, I want my job back. And he's going to have to prove that he wants his job back. He's going to have to prove that he deserves it. Yeah. 
I mean, we've seen it so many times in free agency. Guy gets paid and they become complacent. I really hope that Elliott doesn't become that way because, I mean, at, on the top of his game, he's one of the most electrifying playmakers in the league. He can hit you as a receiver out of the backfield. He has that burst to get to the outside, can also hit you between the tackles. Just a, a great weapon if he's, you know, He's on top of his game. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, what Josh basically is saying, folks, is Zeke Elliott is a good player, but if he's not on top of his game, he's a shell of himself. He's he's an Ezekiel Elliott that we don't recognize. Like, he's not the usual guy, you know, the player that the Cowboys, you know, have been happy to have, you know, when we got him back in 2016 in the fourth overall pick. But, you know, I don't know what to say. I mean, it's just it's just been so horrible, and, you know, and I know that Zeke is hoping, you know, to redeem himself next season. But if every workout, whatever, is available, if I were him, I would go to all of them, even 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 the voluntary ones. That's that's one way to prove that you want to keep your job, that you're dedicated to it. It certainly is. Okay. But now we got to talk about the quarterback position, really, and. Man, you know, I've I've pissed off so many people because I've kind of said that Prescott doesn't deserve to be paid as much as he wants to. But if I were Prescott, the best thing to do is accept another franchise sack because you really you have to prove once again, you know, hopefully that he doesn't get hurt again, that he he deserves it because you know I've stressed the fact that the 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 amount that he wants it's not worth giving him honestly, and I've explained why, and I, and I don't want to get to it now because you know it takes too long, but. When people say that the Cowboys, quote, failed him, I mean, that's honestly not true because let's not forget that he was offered numerous deals, which were all more than reasonable, and he soured mm-hmm. on all of them. So really yep. at this point, I mean, if he gets released or he doesn't come back, then, you know, really at the end of the day, the truth is Dak Prescott screwed Dak Prescott. I mean, I'm, you know, I know it hurts some people to say this, but look, it's the truth. I mean, his demands were excessively too high. He has a habit of making crucial mistakes, you know, at bad times. And yep. a lot of times, you know, we've seen him as a player who's only who only has good performances against bad teams or all of a sudden he starts playing great when the Cowboys are losing by like 28 points with like 10 minutes left in the game. You know, I asked those people, how are you okay with paying 10 fortunes to a player like that? I mean, and I, and I don't mean any disrespect. I've got nothing personally against Dak Prescott. But, you know, you got to talk about nothing, not just like, you know, you know, realistically, but you really got to think about it. Like, how how are you okay with playing a player that's like that? Yeah, this is a really tough situation because if you let Dak Prescott walk away for nothing, you know, you could be back in quarterback purgatory or, but I'm thinking what ultimately is going to happen is that Jerry Jones is going to cave saying, oh, we have to have our franchise quarterback, but he is not an elite quarterback, like you've said. And so I've really not liked it that guys, whenever it's their turn to get paid, think they should just be the highest paid just based on timing. That never made any sense to me. Why should Carson Wentz be getting paid more than you know, those really elite guys like <clears throat> Aaron Rodgers. Okay, I don't know 
Rogers' contract off the top of my head, oh, but Matt, you Matt, get Matt the, him too. But I mean, I like Matt Ryan. I think Ryan is legitimately a top ten quarterback in this league. But yeah, well, Goff gets a lot of hate. I don't think he's as bad as people think he is. I also don't think he's as good as other people think he is. But you know, the point to all this is, <clears throat> you know. It would be a huge risk for Dak to be let go, but, you know, after this injury, it's like, where do you go from here? Because <clears throat> I certainly would not want to give him a long-term extension, particularly if he's just never the same after this ankle injury. So, I mean... He may not be willing to accept another franchise tag, and then you get into a really, really sticky situation where, you know, you might just let him walk away, but I don't think Jerry's going to allow that to happen. I think he'll bring him back, even if it's, you know, an, absor an exaggerated cat number. So... <clears throat> Well, I don't. Well, the thing is, the thing is, yeah, like you've said, Dak does kind of look great against bad teams, but uneven against the better competition. And you have to ask yourself: Is he the guy that can lead you to a championship? Just not the guy who is most convenient. I think that's just ultimately what he got away out. The whole situation with Dak, look, I don't think it's Jerry Jones that's really gonna offer him a deal because what we have to, what, what I know for sure is those deals that he was offered, I am one hundred percent sure that it was Stephen Jones who made the offers, not Jerry, because a lot of people would say that Jerry Jones would have just given him exactly what he wanted. I mean, I can't confirm that because that's merely just an opinion, but I honestly believe that those more than reasonable deals were offers made by Stephen Jones. And Stephen Jones did confirm that the injury does not change any of the plans, but if they can give him another franchise tag or if he can somehow sign a smaller, you know, not as expensive deal, which I really doubt will happen, then he, then they can start over. Because, look, at this point, I don't think Dak Prescott is the guy for the Cowboys. I hate saying that, but it's, you know, honestly, based on what I've said, this is based on research, you know, studying the film, you know, doing my job as a sports journalist, but... But, look, if, if he refuses to sign a tag, he refuses all these fair amount of deals, then let him go because, obviously, you have to understand, this is business. It's not personal. And if he doesn't want to do business, then, you know, you got to move on. But, and, you know, and there's a lot of people that call Dak Prescott, quote, a team player. I don't agree with that because, first of all, in my opinion, the definition of a team player is a player that is willing to do anything it takes, not only to help himself, but to help the team overall. Like, yep. a, team, a team player does not demand a huge, very expensive contract. He does. He basically makes it easy to negotiate, and he's more than willing to take pay cuts in order to save money. So the star players that he can do well with, like the guys like Amari Cooper or CeeDee Lamb and whatnot, basically he, he takes the pay cuts so those guys can stay on the team. Like, if you want to talk about a real playmaker or a real uh, team player, look at Dirk Nowitzki. Look at Tony Romo because those are the examples. Those are team players. And, I mean, this is – I mean, I'm not saying, you know, 
like like that, but you know. But when you demand such a, an important deal like that, and you know that you're not elite, then you know I'm sorry, you're not a, you're not a team player. I mean, you're obviously a dude that's in over your head, and I and I don't mean any disrespect, but that's just how I feel about the whole situation. Yeah, I think when he gets that label, it's because <clears throat> the guys in the locker room like him. He's easy to get along with, all that sort of thing. But also, if you think about it from his perspective, you know, he's trying to get paid the most he absolutely can, and he's trying to take advantage of what the market for quarterbacks is while he can. So, I mean, he's – I think he might be being a little – too shrewd, but at the same time, a little bit of that shrewdness is necessary because <laughs> he doesn't want to be, you know, taken advantage of. <clears throat> Which I understand. Yeah, the other thing is, you know, if if he completely walks away, you know, is Dallas going to be in the situation that Washington has seemingly been in for a long time? They're constantly looking for a franchise quarterback. I mean, they've had some guys who have managed to be decent for periods of time, like they did with RG3 before injuries got the best of him. Then they had Cousins, who obviously can put up some really good numbers, but not a guy you'd really trust to win you a championship. Now... They have Alex Smith, who seems to have studied the ship, but yeah. When was the last time Washington had a franchise quarterback? I don't know. Probably the 90s. So yeah, I mean, that is sort of the wilderness that Dallas might find themselves wandering into if they let it go. Let that go, I mean. So, I mean, it sounds really idealistic to say, oh yeah, Dak isn't worth that. We should let him go if needed. But, yeah, the reality can be pretty bleak, especially since I'm old enough to have remembered the early 2000s whenever they had Quincy Carter and Drew Henson, Clint Sterner, among all the others. And basically, the Cowboys were in that situation before. And, you know, really, they have to avoid it. But, you know... A lot of people were saying if the Cowboys somehow have the chance of getting Trevor Lawrence, which I really doubt is going to happen, even though Lawrence has made it quite clear he does not want to play for the New York Jets. You know, honestly, like, if the Cowboys, if somehow, some way, if the Cowboys have the third overall pick and Trevor Lawrence is still there by some chance, you know what? If I'm the Cowboys, I take him. Oh, no question you do. <laughs> I mean, come on. It, it's bad enough that the Chicago Bears made a huge, stupid mistake taking Mitch Trubisky over the likes of Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. The Cowboys cannot afford to make a stupider mistake because if he's right there and they pass on him, well, that's going to make this, that decision even more stupid. But, but like I said, that's merely a pipe dream. I mean, Trevor Lawrence coming to the Cowboys is merely a pipe dream. If, if, if somehow, someway, the Cowboys lose the rest of their games and the New York Jets... Uh, and the Jacksonville Jaguars managed to win more games than Dallas, which I don't think is going to happen. But if it does, it's a miracle, and I'll be happy because we have the number one overall pick, although I'd still be scared that, you know, there could be a screw-up. But, you know, as far as the quarterback position goes, I mean, Prescott had the amazing rookie year, set numerous records. 
2017 fell apart because of the whole drama surrounding the suspension of uh, Ezekiel Elliott. 2018, well, okay. When it comes to, okay, Prescott was a, did have some elite in him in 2018, especially in the playoff game against mm-hmm. Seattle. But that was a one-time thing. Like, you, I mean, okay, like he had, I'll give him that. He had that moment, but it was one moment. Like, in 2019, he could have shined even more. Like, he could have, like, led the Cowboys, you know, to a win against Green Bay, a win against New Orleans or all the tough teams, and he didn't, okay? So, at, at this point, like, if we have, I mean, the, the bottom line is, as far as Prescott goes, if we have to, if, if at this point where there's no choice to let him go, then let him go. I mean, you have no choice. You did everything you could. You know, you, you can't deal with the drama. You got to move on. It's simple as that. Yeah, let's hope it doesn't come to that. But on that note, you're talking about Trevor Lawrence. I mean, what do you think the chances are that Lawrence pulls an Eli Manning and gets drafted first overall by the Jets, holds up the jersey despite telling the team, I'm not going to play here, and then, you know, gets shipped out? I mean, if it happens, it happens, but I I don't know if the Cowboys are going to be able to strike gold in that particular situation. But well, do we know is Trevor Lawrence like? Does he, he still have a year of eligibility, or is or is he on his final one right now? I believe he could still go back to Clemson. You know, there's a chance. Like, if he's the number one overall pick, you know, if he's really serious about not wanting not wanting to play for the Jets, he's probably going to announce his intention to return for one more year, and, and honestly, hoping be, to make up for all the time lost because of uh, COVID nineteen, which I understand, but you know. It's a really tough decision because you remember how Matt Barkley was the best quarterback in the nation, you know, highly prospected to be a, a top uh, 10 draft pick. He returned uh, to USC for a senior season. The team was horrible. He did not have a great year. You know, his draft stock went from, you know, top 10, you know, and I think he was drafted in the fifth round by the Philadelphia Eagles. And Matt Barkley's career in the NFL, really, I mean, it has not gotten well. To say it hasn't gotten well, I mean, there's an understatement there, but the bottom line is, you know, whatever Trevor Lawrence does, you know, it's his decision. I only hope that the decision he makes is best for him because he's just such a unique, rare talent. I mean, at one point, he was the best quarterback, high school quarterback in the freaking nation. Like, there's never been a player quite like him. So it would be a shame that if he goes to the Jets and – and the career just, you know, sinks quicker than the Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> the, oh, there's just one problem that I have with the people saying he should go back to college for another year. It's that, let's say, hypothetically, he goes back to Clemson and then 2022 draft comes around. The team picking first overall is probably going to be another team that's had its share of dysfunction. So he may not end up in the in the green, but you know, there's other bad organizations out there that might be equally as tumultuous. So you know, you don't want to be in a situation where you're trading one bad situation in for another. And as we've seen, sometimes a team just gets a quarterback and then they turn it around. Like Obviously, the Patriots, they were 
very up and down late nineties. Obviously <laughs> Brady came in and things turned around. I'm not saying that that is going to happen. Should Lawrence go to the jets? I'm just saying you get the right guy under center. A lot of things can change. So in the end, Uniform is just a garment. It's not a curse. I mean, this is assuming that the New York Jets give him weapons to work with. They give him something to work with. Like, you have a piece of the puzzle, but you got to have all of them. you got to have all the bells and whistles. you you got to give your quarterback something to work with, okay? And if the Jets are not willing to do that, then what's the point of taking Trevor Lawrence? You know, I mean, and you are right. There's other organizations that are, you know, bad and— an example of that is the Jacksonville Jaguars, but honestly, you know, their example is, in fact, the Dallas Cowboys, okay? But, I mean, I'm not sure what to expect in, in the draft, but as far as the Cowboys go, if there's a quarterback to be taken, if it's Trevor Lawrence, then damn it, you take it. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. If you pass on that, it will never be forgotten. You will never be forgiven. I mean, you're gonna be a you're gonna be a laughing stock for eternity. I can guarantee you that. Yeah, just like the jokes about how the Jaguars took a punter instead of Russell Wilson, those haven't died off. I mean that that's an example of that. And <sighs> I mean, it's just a bit, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it hurts the fans more or if it hurts the, the owner more, but either way, it's it's something that will not go away. It's a permanent stain on the jersey. But let's go ahead and talk about this Sunday's game against Cincinnati. To be honest, I'm not very excited about it. It's not because the Cowboys are a terrible team. To be honest, it's because Joe Burrow will not be playing. Yeah, that's just not a good thing. He was really playing well for the Bengals this season. And then just, there we are, another game in Washington. And another quarterback gets his leg torn up. I don't see him being on the field next year, but hopefully 2022 he can be back and pick up where he left off. The Bengals are another team that's, trying to find their way right now. A lot of people say that Zach Taylor may not be retained as the head coach, but, you know, he was there in a period of transition where, you know, the days of Dalton to Green were sort of fading out. Lewis was gone, and they were sort of stuck between wanting to be a contender and just blowing it up, and then they just it all collapsed and that's how they ended up with Burrow. And so, you know, like you were saying earlier that Rome wasn't built in a day. And so for the Bengals, that team is going to need a little bit of time to shape things up. And I hope that they can use their opportunity in this year's draft to provide the young man some protection when he does come back to the field. It's a shame how this injury just came just like that. It's really sad because Burrow is just, you know, to say that, I can't tell you how excited Bengal fans really had to be, but going to this game, 
I mean, really, I don't care who's the quarterback for Cincinnati. I, I just can't see Dallas winning because of the horrible defense, the the inability, you know, to stop, you know, committing fouls or, you know, just getting, you know, making mistakes, getting blown up on the passing game, you know, defensive coverage just not being done right, you know, coverage just collapsing, just can't put, can't get to the quarterback, can't force enough turnovers, I mean, committing costly penalties, you know, there's so many bumps on the defense. I mean, they're bad in every, in every way. I mean, there's nothing really po- there's nothing really much much positivity as far as the Cowboys go. But I mean, you know, let's take a look. You know, their turnover differential. I mean, th- that's one of the keys to victory against the Bengals: forced turnovers. Okay, but with a negative thirteen a turnover differential, you know, we're probably lucky to see. We'll be lucky to see one turnover. Okay. And if the Cowboys somehow force four or five, well, that's a damn near miracle if you ask me, but I don't see that happening, unfortunately. But the offense, you know, you know, Andy Dalton play great. I mean, I, I guess at this point, as long as Andy Dalton stay, is healthy, you know, as long as they, he doesn't get hurt again, I guess he's probably going to be starting out the rest of the season. I mean, I would love to see Garrett Gilbert play again, but I just don't see it happening. Probably not. Yeah, I mean... Honestly, I felt like, you know, he probably should have started against the Vikings, you know, after that bye week, but but that's behind, so I don't I don't worry about it anymore, but as I'm looking right now, you know, just to confirm what I said earlier, the Cowboys do in fact have the worst rushing defense in the league cuz they they allow an yep, average they do. of 100 close to 170 yards per game. Okay? But but then again, now we got to we got I got to take a look at the best rushing offense in the league uh, of averaging yards per game, okay? Now, granted, Cincinnati's not there. You know, Cincinnati is actually has the third worst rushing uh, offense in the league uh, as far as averaging, averaging yards per game. They average close to 92 yards per game. That doesn't mean anything because because Dallas's defense on the running game is so bad. I mean, Cincinnati can, can still have a hell of a game because they, they haven't played a defense that's as bad as that. That's why I always tell people, well, don't get your hopes up because... Cincinnati's worst rushing uh, offense hasn't played a horrible rushing defense like the Cowboys, so that, that's the way I see it. Yeah, but if there is one consolation for Dallas coming into this game, it's that Joe Mixon is not going to play for the Bengals, so maybe they can mitigate the damage on the ground. And at this point for Cincinnati, Tyler Boyd has really become their best option in the passing game so if you can really slow him down i think you got a reasonably decent chance because aj green is not what he used to be and i really think that dallas has a decent shot at winning this game because you saw what dalton can do against the vikings like you mentioned he He's capable of getting the ball down the field whenever he can get adequate enough protection. Obviously, the Vikings didn't have a really great defensive front, whereas we saw against Washington on Thanksgiving, that's a team that does have a very good and very disruptive defensive front. So, well, I think this will be a somewhat... So, I think this week's game, Cowboys-Bengals, it probably is not going to excite many people nationally. Obviously, the fans of these teams will be interested, and we're going to have guys that are going to be playing, jockeying for positions on the team next year. 
But yeah, both of these teams are kind of looking ahead at this point and just trying to see, okay, which of these guys are we keeping around next year? And honestly, Dalton is one of those guys that is also probably playing for a job next year, whether that's in Dallas or elsewhere. I'm not sure if he would be a starter anywhere in the NFL come 2021, but he can certainly be a decent backup somewhere. Now, do I think the Cowboys are going to bring him back at his current salary? Probably not. But I'm sure there'd be another team that would be more than happy to have him. I'm looking out at you, San Francisco. I think they'd probably rather have Dalton leading their offense than they would Nick Mullins. I don't think he'd take Jimmy G's. He wouldn't take Jimmy G's job, per se, but, you know, if there's a quality backup out there, I'm sure that Dalton can find himself a position. He's just probably not going to get paid as much as Dallas paid him this year. Well, I feel like if that's the case, he's just going to retire from the game. Uh, you know, and you know what? If Andy Dalton can't be retained, the guy to re-sign as the backup is Garrett Gilbert. I mean, keep this guy. I agree. You know, when Garrett Gilbert, when I found out he was going to start against the Steelers, I was like, wow. And, you know, I felt like, you know, because when it comes to Garrett Gilbert, and I've told this story before, because I grew up loving the Longhorns, and when he verbally committed to play for the University of Texas, I cannot tell you how, how happy I was. I mean, I was a sophomore in high school at the time. And, you know, at, you know, during his days, you know, high school football, playing for Lake Travis High School, which is down uh, in the Austin, Texas area, which is about two, three hours from where I live, he was arguably, you know, he okay, he was definitely the best high school quarterback in the state of Texas. And I think prospects had him as the second best quarterback in the entire nation. He was a... Uh, Right below uh, Matt Barkley, who was in California. But, you know, the memory was, you know, obviously, Garrett Gilbert comes into a game in, in the national championship against Alabama as a freshman. You know, he's basically a dude, you know, thrown into the wild with, with, with a stick in one hand and a rock in the other, having, having a fight, herds and herds of wild animals, you know, charging at him. It's a shame that his career at UT did not go well. But I was like, you know what? Who cares about the past? Is the future? Let's see what he what he can do now. Because I always believed in Gilbert, especially in his throwing, and he can throw. There's no doubt about that. And when I saw how great he get he played against Pittsburgh, I was like, wow. You know, and all these years I thought, wow, why is he still? You know, it's it's amazing he's still in the league. But you know what? Gilbert proved if you give him a chance, he's gonna get he's gonna give you his best, and he did that. So that's why I believe Gil Gilbert deserves to be the backup quarterback for the Cowboys. Yeah, I'd agree with you on that. Also, Gilbert was really good when he was with the Orlando Apollos in the AAF. Oh, he definitely was. He certainly was. So, I've just been thinking about this in my head right now. Do you think it would be possible that Dallas could execute some sort of sign and trade? Hear me out with this. Like, Let's say the Jets have the first overall pick and they take Trevor Lawrence. And then Dallas will package the number whatever pick that they get in the top five, Dak Prescott, and then, I don't know, maybe another second or first rounder. Let's say the Jets would accept that. 
Dak and two first rounders for Trevor Lawrence. That may not be enough. I don't. Again, this is just me kind of spitballing. But do you think that could realistically happen? Well, let me get it straight. Okay. Okay. So it's Dak Prescott, the first round pick of this year, and obviously the first round pick for next year, and that's it. Like that kind of package, right? Yes. I say if the Jets want that, I say absolutely do it. Do it. Do it, Jerry Jones. If the New York Jets draft Trevor Lawrence and they say, and if Dak Prescott, you know, is again on the franchise tag, the New York Jets say we just want your two, we just want two first round picks and Dak Prescott. I say go for it, do it. I mean, it's it's uh, how often are you going to see a trade like that when they, all, all they demand is is those very few things because a trade like that usually you have to give up your first round pick of that year as well as possibly your second round pick and and then your first round pick for next year and then more packages of players like you really got to give a lot. Just to receive that. So if they, if all they demand is Dak Prescott and two first-round picks, I say do it. Yes, yeah, so your suggestion, I fully agree with it. If, if the Cowboys have the opportunity, then then forgive the language, then fucking do it. Okay, yeah, maybe I was a little low originally. So what would you think of Dak and three first-rounders for Lawrence? Do you think that would be probably more realistic of what would be asked? It probably would, but if I were the Cowboys, in that case, I would say no because we saw what the Washington football team gave up to get Robert Griffin III. We saw what the Los Angeles Rams gave up to get Jared Goff, okay? And unfortunately, in the case of the Washington football team, the investment did not work out at all. I mean, to say that it didn't work out, well, once again, there's a hell of an understatement for you. Now, now in Jared Goff's case, obviously the first year didn't <laughs> things did not go well. Things got better the next year, and then obviously he took him to the Super Bowl, and, and then they dumped the money. You know, as Wiley, aka the Venom Mister, would say, they dumped the money truck on the guy. And and you know, I mean, Goff has played better this year, but he he didn't have a good uh, 2019, or at least not the best one. But if it's three first round picks, then I would probably have to say no. Well, if you look back at specifically the RG3 thing, he had a history of injuries. And so I didn't know if he was going to translate to the NFL, but Lawrence is a different animal. He's almost as close to a sure thing as you can get. He is sort of that prototypical pocket passer, which is why for me, even with price tag of three first rounders i'd still consider doing it well the situation is you know we still have amari cooper who's young we still have cd lamb and we'll, we'll get to pay him i don't know if michael gallup if, if we'll be able to keep him or i don't know if i mean if they have to pick between cd lamb and michael gallup well i don't want to get into that but i'm sure it's going to come in that situation and in that situation i'm sure cd lamb is going to be the guy to, that they're going to pick but if we still have all of our elite players, like we have the likes of Schultz, you know, Blake Jarwin, who, by the way, I hope comes back stronger next year. In that case, you know what, probably, because sometimes I feel like dra- having a high first-round pick every year, if you're not building on it, you, you continue to have high first-round picks every year. I mean, seriously, think about it. Are you really getting somewhere? I mean, really, the answer is no, because every year you have a top-ten draft pick. That just means you're continuing to, to get—you're you, continuing to stay bad. 
okay? That, that, that You're not going forward, but you're not really going backwards. You're, you're just staying put, okay? So if I see in that situation, then getting rid of three first-round picks you know, would be ideal. If we still have our second and third-round picks and everything else, then we'll still be okay. So after thinking about it, it's like, I think you're right. You know, if, if it's three first-round picks and Dak Prescott, then, then go for it. But if we're giving up three first-round picks, I would ask the Jets, can you consider giving us some of your players too? And I'm sure they would take that into consideration as well. Yeah, obviously a lot would have to be determined between now and then. And it would be a situation of Lawrence would have to say, I'm not playing for you, New York. And specifically, he might want to play, might have to want to play for Dallas. So you don't know exactly where he wants to go. I mean, maybe he wants to be in a smaller market. You really don't know what the guy's thinking. It just seems to me that he made his he made it very, very clear he does not want to play for the Jets. Now I'm sure that because, you know, he's humble, he's a intelligent, mature young man, I'm sure that if the Jets talk to him, he'll sit down and listen. And I'm sure he'll listen. Like he won't interrupt. He'll listen to what you have to say. He'll probably say, Look, I understand it, but I'm sorry. I just don't want to play for you guys. But I feel like if he, you know, him coming to the Cowboys, now, there's no doubt the Cowboys, are, they're going to give him weapons. It's not about whether he has receivers or a tight end or a running back. When it comes to the quarterback position for the Cowboys, it's the question is, does he have an offensive line that's strong and talented enough to protect him and, you know, to create a, a good running game to keep him protected? That's one question. The other question is, does he have a defense to support him, okay? That's why I say Tony Romo could not, did not, did not, did not have the support of a good defense, okay? There is another situation where people say that's a cheap excuse. Well, you know what? It's the truth, okay? Tony Romo had a hell of a playing arm, okay? He could throw the ball well. And as you mentioned, he had all these fourth quarter comebacks, which is pretty good for a guy who's always listed as a choker, okay? Mm-hmm. The, the point is... How the hell can one quarterback lead the team all by himself? You can't put the whole weight on his back, okay? Like we mentioned, this is teamwork, okay? The definition of teamwork is you work and you win as a team. The keywords as a team. This is not an individual effort. It's a team effort, okay? So if the Cowboys are able to establish a well-balanced elite offensive line that can protect him and establish a strong running game, then that's one question answered, okay? If the Cowboys defense can sack the quarterback at least six to eight times a game, and I know I'm exaggerating right here, but you know what I'm trying to say, if they can force an average of four to five turnovers a game, okay, then yes, Trevor Lawrence can definitely help the Cowboys win a Super Bowl. Although then the question is, you know, people are always going to say this, you know, some of them are joking, but some of them are serious, but if Jerry Jones is still a GM, then forget about it. But I don't want to get into that because, you know, I don't want to think about these two negatives because I'm trying to be as positive as I can, but I am pretty sure that as long as he's well-coached, he has a strong offensive line, he has a hell of a defense, and he's got these good weapons that can run the routes correctly, there is no doubt in my mind that Trevor Lawrence would help the Cowboys win the Super Bowl if he ends up coming to Dallas, which is a a one-in-a-million chance. Yeah. I mean, you are totally correct that it takes a team to win a championship, but if you don't have that quarterback just the way the league is today, 
you're really, really fighting an uphill battle. Getting the quarterback is really the most crucial piece to that. So, I mean, it might require a huge roll of the dice if you want to land a sure thing franchise quarterback. You know, a friend of mine suggested if somehow Prescott comes back and then they trap Trevor Lawrence to be the the, the uh the backup, you know, he says, what if they did with the 49ers then? I said, well, first of all, that would not work out because, first of all, you cannot compare Dak Prescott to Joe Montana. You're not going to compare – you can't compare the a supposed look at Prescott and Lawrence as, like, a duo of uh, Joe Montana and Steve Young, okay? You know, but really, you know, if you whoever drafts – Trevor Lawrence, I mean, they, they, there's no intention of using him as a backup. They're going to want to build, prepare him immediately. They want him to start week one. Oh, no doubt about it. He's got to be among the most NFL-ready talents we've seen in a long time. Since Andrew Luck, for sure. Now, if we're talking about somehow Trevor Lawrence is the starter and then Dak Prescott is the backup, I mean, <clears throat> first of all, forget it because Prescott is not gonna is not willing to to be in that situation, he is not willing Definitely to be back. Definitely not. If somehow he does, then then that that's that's just not another miracle. But I do not see Dak Prescott accepting an offer that puts him in a position to where he's the backup. I mean, even if he's paid handsomely, he's probably not going to take it. Definitely not. He'd go out onto the open market and see what he can get because he knows someone's going to pay him. He knows, and you know, a lot of people. You know, a lot of people believe that the Colts is likely where he could end up. I mean, that's a possibility. Or, you know, although right now there's, you know, some people believe that you know Carson Wentz could end up in the Colts. I mean, as far as Carson Wentz goes, uh, I really don't have much comment. I mean, you know what? All I say is I'm just glad that, that the Cowboys didn't pay Prescott because they not make the same mistake of overpaying a quarterback who's really not as good as he thinks he is. Okay. I mean, you know, really, people ask me, do I find it funny that the Eagles made that mistake? And I say, really, honestly, I don't. I mean, they they made a dumb mistake, but that's their problem. I mean, that's why I think about it. It was their it's their fault. I don't, you know, I have nothing to say about it. That, 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 that's all I say. Apparently, they felt that he they they had the faith they had all the faith in him as they should, but they made a mistake of dumping the money truck on him. Yeah, and for a player like Wentz, who has had his history of injuries and really he had the one good season where he probably would have been MVP if not for having his knee injured. Then after that you had Frank Reich was the offensive coordinator. He left and I don't know if it was scheme injuries. I'm sure it's probably some combination of both, but yeah, Wentz has just not looked the same. I don't see him being moved to Indianapolis, though, just because his contract is structured in such a way the Eagles would have to eat so much money. So I think, for better or worse, Wentz is their guy. And you wonder if Doug Peterson, if he would have his job potentially at risk. I don't know. I think that would be a mistake on Philly's part because – I don't think Peterson is the problem. I honestly don't. Really. I mean, Peterson's an intelligent guy. And I'm not just saying that just uh I'm not just saying that, you know, not to blow smoke up anyone's butt, but no, it's pretty obvious Peterson's a smart guy. 
But as far as Carson Wentz goes, I mean, if the Eagles decide to get rid of him, then, you know, even if it's a mistake, you know, it is what it is. And I'm going to be impartial and professional about it if, if I give an explanation. Even though Cowboy fans, you know, they got to understand, you know, this is the art that I'm training, you know, be professional, be impartial, be objective. That's 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 the ball game. But right. But, you know, look, it, it, he was I mean, you know, I don't like it how people deny the fact that he was he was, in fact, good in 2017. You know, he he was definitely the guy that would have won the MVP had he not gotten hurt. OK, and he did play a role in helping the Eagles go to the Super Bowl. Even though people say people say take Nick Foles deserves all the credit like. Nick Foles did, in fact, yeah. win the Super Bowl, but Carson Wentz, you know, played great in the season to build that momentum, okay? And there's the other definition of teamwork. You know, Wentz did his part. It's unfortunately that he, his part got cut short, and then Nick Foles basically came in and finished what Wentz started. I mean, that's what a teammate does. If, if one teammate goes down, the other comes in and finishes what his teammate started. That's how teamwork is, so... And that's what the Cowboys got to do if they want to win the damn Super Bowl. Because, you know, of course, everybody says, well, as long as Jerry Jones is here, they're not going to win it. Like, look, maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. I mean, I know I've I've exaggerated about the situation, obviously, because I'm obviously not a fan of Jerry Jones as the GM. But really, it's you can't just pin everything on Jerry Jones as much as everybody loves to do. Like, like I said, it's a teamwork. Like, he deserves his share of the blame, as does Mike McCarthy, as does, you know, Mike Nolan, Kellen Moore. Yada yada yada, that that that's that's the ball game right there. That's true. But I mean, on that note, like during that Super Bowl run, obviously Peterson got guys to buy in, and you know, he can design a game plan. But yeah, just play calling. They got to figure that out. But yeah. My gut feeling says that Doug Peterson will leave the Eagles on his own terms before they fire him. If he does do that, then I'm going to say, you know what? It's because he w- it was obviously unhappy because with his intelligence and his unique knowledge of the sport of football, the Eagles had more potential than anybody could have imagined of starting a dynasty. And I really thought the Eagles w- would have done that. But unfortunately, it just didn't happen. I mean, it's a coulda, woulda, shoulda, if I'm saying it correctly. It's that kind of situation, but it just obviously didn't happen. You know, when the Cowboys had the dynasty in the 90s, you know, you know, I, I, people say it was a dynasty. I mean, really, I guess you could say it was, but, you know, losing Jimmy Johnson is kind of what ended it. I mean, I know uh, Barry Switzer came in and did lead the Cowboys to another Super Bowl, and people say, well, he only won it because Jimmy Johnson built the team. I'm like, well... That is true. Jimmy Johnson did, in fact, build that team. But Barry Switzer, with his unique knowledge of football, he took what was there and he used it correctly. Like, if you don't use that talent correctly, you're not winning the Super Bowl. That, that's been the problem with the Cowboys. You know, play calling not being right, the team not being set up correctly. It's just a lot of holes, a lot of question marks, and a lot of uh, scratching on the head. We just don't know what's going on, really. Even though we say what this is what's going on, really, we never have a clear answer, do we? <coughs> Nope. Yeah. I mean, that's that's how it is with Cowboys football. So, you know, these December woes, you know, that we're talking about here, that we're, we're kind of, you know, explaining everything, you know, I, I just don't see anything happening the rest of the season. You know, if they finish 3-13, and 13, then the first thing I'm going to do is, you know, start, you know, sketching my notes, start researching, you know, to say, well, what needs to be done now? Because that's what I always say at the end of a season when the Cowboys have a bad season. Where do the Cowboys go from here? 
and that's where I'm at at this part at this part of the season because usually I'll do a simple preview and recap the game, but but because we're at a point of the season where it's not so simple anymore, it's time to talk more about the future, and that's why that, that's why I was so happy to bring you on for this episode, Josh. Definitely, my pleasure. Well, I'd like to remind everybody that Cowboys Talk is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Josh, I want to thank you so very, very much for being a guest on this show, and I'd like to extend an invitation to you, and you are more than welcome to be on the show anytime. All right, thank you so much. I'll definitely be back. Thank you very much, Josh. Everybody, you have a good night.